electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. When a cycle turns, it's a beautiful thing. When a semiconductor cycle turns, it's electric. It can power a whole market, as it did today with the Dow gaining 391 points, as it be jumping 1.56%, and the Nasdaq pole voting 2.05%. That's a huge move. Keep in mind, aside from the magnificent seven, most tech stocks haven't really been doing that well this year. Other than NVIDIA, the semiconductor stocks have been what I call a bear market. Maybe even for ages, thanks to a post-COVID chip glut. See, we had this PC boom during the pandemic, so the chip makers ramped up production and were left with too much inventory once the world went back to normal. Because it's not like you need a new computer every year. So the greatest boom became the greatest glut. This morning, though, Taiwan Semi, that's the founder that makes so many semiconductors, said that business has really picked up. They had a great month. They make so many chips for so many companies that Wall Street concluded that the glut has finally come to an end. And that's what triggered this furious rally in the semis. And because tech stocks tend to trade together, the strength in the semis spread to the Magnificent Seven, even Meta and Alphabet, which are all about advertising. How powerful was this rally? Well, let's take the saga of the trade desk, which was down more than 16% because it saw an October slowdown in online advertising. And they and Google really dominate this business. Now, that decline would normally have crushed Alphabet, Amazon, and Meta. All three were getting pulverized in after-hours trading last night because of the trade desk. Yet today, they came roaring back. That's thanks to the resurrection in the semis. Yes, the semiconductor industry can have that much power. Today's move comes after a series of tepid to down Fridays, by the way, at least ever since the beginning of October when Hamas attacked Israel. Now, this move today surprised pretty much everyone. Looked pretty bad when we left last night. And the seventh doctor term was so robust that you have to wonder if it can continue to next week. And for that, we'll have to turn to our game plan. Over the weekend, we have a major event. It's the American Heart Association. It's convening in Philadelphia. And we hear about how this new weight class of drugs that we always hear, you know, the diabetes and obesity drugs, we hear what they may mean for heart disease. The AHA has data from Novo Nordisk, the competitor Lilly. They make Ozempic, and I think can also reignite the stock of Eli Lilly, which makes Munjaro and have been hit for the last two days. Nobody else has anything similar. Don't believe AstraZeneca when it says it has a pill coming around. That knocked Lilly's stock down about 30 bucks. Good opportunity. A positive read-through from the AHA bolsters the case that insurers should pay for these expensive self-injected medicines. Next, the small cap stocks helped lead the big ones this week. And that, that, that all started when Datadog breathed new life into what's known as the enterprise software stocks. Can it continue? Well, that might be up to a company called Monday.com. It's an Israeli maker of project management software, chiefly for small, medium-sized businesses. We don't know how much of an issue the war in Gaza may be when it comes to 
their business. But if they blow away the numbers, we could see actually again a strong reaction from other leading cloud software companies, including, yes, Salesforce, Adobe, which is really scorched today, and ServiceNow. I think even consulting company Accenture is starting to do better in this kind of, for, as someone who recommends these companies. We also get results from a company that's truly formed by the wayside, and that's Tyson Foods. I think the raw costs have kindly come down for basic uh, beef and poultry, so I bet Tyson could be in better shape on that front, but are they organized enough to profit from it? That's a different story. I don't have a lot of faith in this management team. We start Tuesday with the consumer price index, and we need to see a cooler number if we're going to get fewer speeches like the one we got from Fed Chief Powell yesterday, which still sounded heavily biased toward the need to tighten. That helped make yesterday such an ugly day. I think the CPI might be surprisingly cool, which would be very good news. That is the big number for this week. Home Depot reports, too, and I have to tell you, that comes out around 6 o'clock. I very eagerly uh, anticipate. I think people seem totally clueless about the stock, though. We don't know if high mortgage rates are causing homeowners to remodel because they're reluctant to move, given that they'd end up paying a much higher interest rate on the next house. Plenty of people are worried about shoplifting and big-ticket items, too. But remember, we need to pay attention to Home Depot's forecast more than its results. The former is far more important. Remember, housing is still the worst part of the increase in inflation since the pandemic began. And by the way, it's rents that are in. The actual home is not in the CPI. I've been fascinated with the progress of a company called On Holding. The sneaker company reports uh, Tuesday. The last quarter, I had something both for the bears and the bulls, while the latter, well, I got to tell you, the bears are winning. And they're winning because the stock had been, I think, too hot. And some people think they have too much inventory. On holding now is a big short position. It's why guys love the short sneaker companies except Nike, where they've just been burned too many times going against the big guy. Wednesday, we get October retail sales data. I think they will be a little, maybe weak, because we keep reading about how the consumer is getting tapped out. If we're ever going to get an end to this rate cycle, we actually do need to see a weak retail sales number. Before the open, we hear from Target. Oh, man, that has been just a punished stock much more than the company, I think, merits. I think the negativity now is baked in. But I reiterate that if you want retail exposure here, well, you really only want Amazon, Walmart, Costco, and TJX. Speaking of TJX, the off-price retailer reports also uh, Wednesday morning. I expect a very strong number led by its home goods division. This stock trades the following way. The number comes out, stock spikes really big, then gets hit really hard, and then comes back. I don't know why. It happens every time. We're going to be talking about TJX and Costco, as well as a host of other stocks, when Jeff Marks and I run our investing club meeting next week. You often hear callers say that they love the club. I don't pick the callers, so it's all pretty organic. I recommend you listen in. And if that sounds like shameless self-promotion, so what? I've worked so darn hard. I'm actually working last night on next week's meeting. But self-promotion, when does that ever bother me? After the close, we get results from one of our favorite investing club companies, which is Palo Alto. Palo Alto Networks, PNW. This stock's been held back by the poor performance of a company called Fortinet, a lower-quality competitor that reported weaker earnings recently. I think Palo Alto's doing so much better than Fortinet, which is why I see the former headed higher. Otherwise, we wouldn't still own it. Cisco reports, too. Now, this is a huge tech company that's buying Splunk, which is a competitor to Datadog, which I mentioned earlier had a good quarter. Now, I think Cisco's got a lot going for it, but I do prefer Broadcom in the space because it should be able to close on its acquisition of VMware next week. And I'm saying that because the president's going to meet with President Xi on this day. And I have a feeling that maybe you get an olive branch from Xi that will allow these two companies to merge. VMware and Broadcom are 
just fabulous together. Thursday, Walmart reports, and while it's run a great deal, I think it actually can go further because consumers have been shifting their spending to wherever they can get the best bargains, and it's hard to beat the prices at Walmart. One of the hardest stocks to fathom right now in terms of valuation is Macy's. It's so cheap, you know Wall Street clearly expects the company to miss numbers, possibly by a mile. I care more about the next uh, next quarter, the forecast, the one we're in right now, because that includes the holiday season where all the money's really made. Still, I want to hear what Macy's has to say about the consumer. And after the close, we hear from a uh, company called Applied Materials that's also known as AMAT. It's a capital equipment maker. They make this equipment to make semis. It saw its stock soar today, again, thanks to the good news that I mentioned at the top from Taiwan Semi. I've been a huge supporter of Applied Materials. They've been on the show a number of times. And throughout the chip glut, I've said they'll be fine, and now I feel really good about it. Here's the bottom line. This market's had a very solid winning streak of late. Remember that it wouldn't be happening if interest rates were still climbing. As long as rates stay calm, that's the big backdrop that we need. Companies that report good news will be rewarded with higher stock prices. But never forget that the bond market still is in control. It's just that it's finally turned benign, at least for now. Let's go to Dave in Illinois. Dave! Dr. Kramer, happy Phosphoro Friday. There you go. Wait for your return to Chicago, my good man friend. Well, thank you, Dave. And I, go, I intend to go to Binney's and sign more of my wife's Mezcal Phosphoro, which sells really well at Binney's. Can't beat that, can you? How can I help, Dave? Jim, two weeks ago, this $12 billion market cap Swiss company posted better than expected quarterly results and raised its guidance, popping 13% on the day. Of course, I'm talking about Logitech International. This designer, manufacturer, and marketer of connection devices has already achieved average analyst price targets. So, Jim, amid weaker global demand for new PCs, can LOG... I go higher from here. Well, Dave, first of all, thank you for your kind comments, and you are always a pleasure when you call in. I think Logitech has had such a big move. I mean, this thing just went from 50 to 81. So I tell you, Dave, I think we have to take a little ka-ching, ka-ching when it comes to that stock because it's had such a big run. Thank you for bringing it to our attention. Doug in Florida. Doug. Hey, Jim. How you doing? Not bad. How about you, Doug? What's going on? I'm doing great. I just want to get your take on Lennar's stock, ticker LEN. Okay, normally I would think at this point in the cycle that Lennar's probably had it. But you know what? These companies have become so disciplined, so uh, charry in terms of how much they spend per house, in, in terms of the cost, that I think Lennar can go still higher. And I think that Stuart Miller's done a remarkable job. I can see that stock going back to, to all-time highs. Vicky in Virginia. Vicky. Hi, Jim. How are you? Good. How about you? Fine. I'm good, uh, Jim. And uh, I have the question for the American Airlines. What would be the next uh, coming holiday in the end of November and Christmas holiday? What would be the American Airlines stock? No, you see, I have to tell you, I have uh, made my decision that the one I'm going to support when people call is Delta. I think that Delta's in the best shape. American Airlines has just been, unfortunately, a very well-run company, but the stock has just been a, a dog. Oops, here we go. I say stick with Delta. Now, as long as interest rates remain calm, companies with good news will get rewarded with higher stock prices. But I want you to keep an eye out on rates because they will impact the game plan far more than any one company will. On mad money tonight. Crude oil prices have been sliding all month. So what, what does that mean for an oil and gas producer like Club Name? Remember, we're going to have a club meeting next week, Kotara Energy, which we'll be talking about at our Wednesday meeting. I'm checking with the CEO after the company reported earnings earlier in the week. Then we're taking some time to honor all those who have served our country for Veterans Day, Mad Money style. I'm sitting down with some vets from the, from the finance club 
at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point to answer some of the burning investing questions. And you're not going to want to miss it. From Warner Brothers Discovery to Disney, we're ranking the major media companies that reported this week because we've heard them all. And I think it's going to shock you. Stay with me. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Cramer on X. Have a question? Tweet Cramer. Hashtag Mad Mentions. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com. Or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. Lately, things have gotten real difficult for the energy sector, especially the exploration production companies. Price of crude has suddenly fallen from 95 to 77 past six weeks. No one I know was looking for that. But as I've told you repeatedly, natural gas, a little bit different story. In fact, nat gas has quietly climbed higher since the spring from below $2 in late March to 3 bucks and change now. And that's why we own Kotara for the Travel Trust, which you can follow by joining the CMEC Investing Club. Kotara is an exploration production company that leans toward natural gas, though it's both high-quality natural gas and high-quality oil holdings. I like them both. Uh, it is unusual to have high-quality of both. On Monday, it reported a robust quarter with better-than-expected production, translating to a six-cent earnings beat off a 44-cent basis. More important, Qatar gave us a bullish guidance for the current quarter, one of the few oil companies that did. Yet somehow the stock got zero credit for this. In fact, it's now down nearly 2% versus where it was trading for the quarter. You're getting these good numbers for free. Don't take it from me. Let's check in with Tom Jordan. He's the chairman, president, and CEO of Qatar Energy to get a better read on the quarter. Mr. Jordan, welcome back to Mad Money. Afternoon, Jim. Okay, so one time I am told that there was a general, and that general said, uh, in preparing for battle, I have always found that plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. Why does General Eisenhower figure into your thinking when you put together your Kotara budget? Well, well, Jim, I deeply inspirational. You know, Kotara, we... We plan, we plan, and we plan. We do iterations so that we can pivot and be ready for eventualities we don't predict. And that process has actually a, a direct benefit in that we've already thought through different ways to reallocate capital. But it has a hidden benefit in that iterative planning really optimizes a program. So we, we really believe in uh, detail 
and we run detailed plans. But I, I would echo General Eisenhower that it's not the plans that are valuable. It's the process of planning. Well, one of the things that I, I have to admit, it's Buzz Bob, man, I'm going to tell it to you. We have a, you're our only oil for our travel trust. And we feel you are doing so much better than the other oils. And yet you're still trapped by both the commodity price of oil, not even natural gas, and this kind of like ETFization where all the oil stocks trade the same. At what point will your planning distinguish yourself more from some of the others in the group? I believe we've already broken out from that herd, Jim. I mean, we, we, we've had successive quarters of outstanding execution. Uh, we have Cotera at a point where we've hit our stride of, of asset performance and organizational performance, ESG performance. And I am very confident in telling you that, as I said in our call, excellence is what the marketplace will come to expect from Cotera because it's what we expect of ourselves. Highly confident that we're going to be able to deliver it repeatedly. But if you don't get rewarded, I thought it was very interesting. This is not necessarily what I thought would be when we speak to you. I found out you repurchased 2.2 million shares, $60 million. That, that got into the game plan, too. That was part of your planning if the stock didn't move or if oil was at a certain price. How did you arrange it? How did you, let's say, think about how much you should be buying? Well, obviously, it's cash on hand. It's it's opportunistic swings in our price. But, you know, we're always looking in the acquisition market. We look at a lot of assets. And quite frankly, we think the best A&D play right now is buying our own shares. And we're really, really happy to do that. Well, one of the things I thought was uh, very impressive about your view in 2024 is you think there's going to be meaningful price decreases in a lot of the different things that have made it so that it's been a little too expensive to put a lot of rigs on. And yet at the same time, I don't hear you adding, let's say, you know how I felt about how when I spoke to you last. I was hoping you'd put three rigs in Anadarko, but that's, I guess, just too expensive, right? It doesn't make sense in the competition for capital, Kotar, to put three in just because some wise guy fan thinks that Anadarko and Darko is really, really fecund and has a lot of oil. Jim, Cotera is really built for consistency through the cycles. I think if there's anything we've learned in this business is that the ups and downs of responding to cyclic commodity prices are really damaging to your productivity, to your organization, and quite frankly, to your financial performance, because you can get it counter-cyclical and get it wrong. You know, I say uh, Cotera is an arc, not a party boat. We are going to sail through the storm and and be profitable regardless of oil being high, gas being low. We're built for commodity diversity and consistency, consistency of performance, consistency of results. Were you surprised that uh, another person you and I like, Scott Sheffield, decided, you know what? Well, I know we have a new CEO coming in, but the price is right. Exxon, like throw my lot in with Exxon. I thought that was surprising, frankly. Well, I have great respect for Scott. He's been a wonderful spokesman for our industry and, and uh, you know, good friend to many of us. It looked like a good opportunity for both companies, and, and I, I wish them both well. Well, at the same time, I mean, I, I think his company, like your company, that was another that was the other oil that we owned, worth substantially more than they're selling for. We'll, and I'm willing to just ride it out, betting that one day that will happen. And I think that both of you guys have incredible assets that could grow for m- multiple years. Your company is not built for the next two or three years. Your company is built for the next 20 or 30 years, the way I used to think Exxon is. I mean, isn't it best to stay the course by yourself? Don't you think more money can be made that way for shareholders? Well, we're certainly under no pressure to do anything other than perform. I mean, we, we look at opportunities. We're, we're always open to ideas. Uh, but, boy, I, f- I feel pretty good about Cotera, the prospects for Cotera going forward. 
and our ability to, to really deliver and turn some heads. Now, you spoke, when I spoke to you last time, it was very typical of what you said about consistency. I was saying, hey, why would you want to be in that gas? It's, it's it, at two bucks. You should be in oil. It was at 90. And sure enough, oil goes to 75 and that gas goes over three. That Your plan included that kind of thinking, correct? And my, th- my thinking was too short term. You're thinking bigger. Well, I, I don't know if I'd be so bold as to say that, but look, um, Cotera is built for the cycles. And one, thing's that, one thing I know about myself, I can't predict the cycles. They wow. come faster and more furious than you would ever anticipate. And, and so, you know, we're built to, to last. If I look at the last four quarters at Cotera, the first Q3 of, of last year and Q1 were uh, natural gas was dominant source of our revenue. Q2 and Q3, oil is the dominant source for revenue. And that is exactly the premise of Cotera and why we're built. Well, and that's exactly why we own your shares for the Chapel Trust. I want to thank Tom Jordan, chairman, president, and CEO of Cotera, which I think is the best run independent oil company in our country. Mad Money's back here for the break. Coming up, it's a Veterans Day salute to service. Kramer reunites with the cadets of West Point for a very special Q&A when Mad Money returns. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to Indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's one of my favorite shows of the year. It's Mad Money's annual Salute to Service, where we take time to honor all those who serve our country. To all active duty, reserve, and retired service members far and wide, past and present, we salute you and we thank you. You know I always love taking questions, and today i got a very special group here. Cadets from the Finance Club at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. Now, they visited us here in our neck of the woods before many times and have graciously hosted us at West Point. In the past, well, that was one of the greatest honors, spending the day on their magnificent and storied campus. I got so much out of that, and I hope they did, too. We're happy to have these people back. These guys are the best and the brightest, and they've got some burning questions. I say, we let's get right to it. Let's get right to it. Go ahead, sir. Hey, Jim. Antonio Holland, Westminster Mellon. My question for you is, NVIDIA has seen a rally of nearly 200% since its low point last year. What is your outlook on the future of this company, and what role does AI play? Okay, it's fantastic. They are king of AI, and thank you for that question. I will tell you that NVIDIA is a stock I say own it, don't trade it. And that means that we're not going to even worry about the November 21 when they report. What we're thinking about is multi-year, and multi-year they own this space. And the reason why they own it, not is because they're just the fastest, but because they burn the least. They're the least hot. So you get a bargain immediately. The answer is I see multi-year growth path for NVIDIA because they are the king of AI worldwide. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Jim. Garrett Crispin from Bentonville, Arkansas here. 
With the current macroeconomic conditions and geopolitical uncertainty, where can we position our large cap investments for the future? All right, now this is going to take you a little bit by surprise. So you're a younger fella. And that means I don't want you to think about any of that near-term stuff. I think you should be thinking about the greatness of our country, the greatness of our people, and invest in the people and the great companies that you see now that you think could be great in the future. We talked about NVIDIA just now. I like technology. I like medical devices. I like anything that's related to, to uh, biosimilars, to anything in biotech. I want you to just think big and think, well, you've got your whole life ahead of you, but you know more than I do about the younger companies coming up, and that's what I want you to think about. Thanks, Jim. Hey, Jim. Cadet Trey Morris from Tampa, Florida. With so many strong companies in the defense industry, who would you choose? Okay, we had Lockheed Martin on this week. I think they do a very good job. I I think that, uh, you know, I'm kind of... I don't understand why Northrop Grumman's so well, okay, or General Dynamics, because they're both very, very good companies. Uh, I think that the one that you might want to think about that is very speculative at this point is RTX, which is the old Raytheon, simply because they have a problem with the Whitney, with their wife, they have a problem with some, with engines, which I think is completely reserved for. So my advice, speculative RTX and just bedrock would be Lockheed Martin. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Jim. Jake Liptak from Greenville, South Carolina. I wanted to hear your opinion. When do you think interest rates are going down? When are they going to go down? Yes, sir. I think they, they're going to stay here for a while. And the reason I say that is because the economy is pretty hot. And Jay Powell is a guy, the Fed chief, is someone who does not want inflation coming back. He will keep the short end high, so the long end will stay high, too. We do have a, a, a bit of a, a lucky break here. Next year, the Treasury's not going to issue a lot of 30-year paper. But don't expect interest rates to go down big anytime soon. That's all that gobbledygook you hear on TV. Thanks, sir. Thank you. Hey, Jim. Cadet Cameron Lee from Rockland County, New York. How are you? How can investors manage risk from geopolitical, uh, geopolitical, uh, I guess, volatilities and regulatory changes? Why don't I own some gold? I mean, gold's had a big run here, but nowhere near where I think it can be because, you know, only, we're only replacing about our gold by 1% a year. I think own some gold. I, I'm not going to tell you to own crypto all the way up here because I think it's had a very big move. I'm always surprised that people don't have 10% of their assets in gold. That's the way I want to hedge it, okay? I'm not going to hedge it with treasuries because treasuries right now could be overvalued versus uh, if we have something really bad happen, then, you know, I would look at it. But right now, I just think it's, I'm not saying anything's garden variety. It's, it's a dangerous world. But gold is the hedge, not bonds. Thank you. Hey, Jim. I'm Cadet AJ Pimentel from Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm wondering, should us retail investors be concerned about a potential government shutdown? I was going to say you should be concerned about the Charlotte Panthers, because they may be the most bereft of talent team. They have a great coach. No, I'll tell you, I've studied all the government shutdowns, and they're almost always buying opportunities, particularly. And the, the worst ones, the more, the worse, the better. It sounds strange, but they do scare regular people out of the market, and that's where the opportunity is. I try to keep regular people in. Don't have them be trading, but, but they get worried, and that's your opportunity. Okay, Thank you, bye. Jim. Hey, Jim. Cadet Aiden Bohm from Cooksaki, New York. My question is in the fixed income space. Okay. With rates where they are right now, do you think now is the time for retail investors to get in the bond market at a discount? Okay, I, I think it's a great question. The only thing I'm recommending right now is be out only three years. Uh, next year is going to be uh, subdued because the Treasury's not going to issue a lot of paper, but uh, that, that's longer end. But that's going to change in the year and the year after because we've got this big deficit. So I'm not advising a lot of bonds because I am very concerned about the deficit. They, the government has made is profligate. Uh, the government's spending way more than it has. And because of that, I'm not as big a fan of bonds as other people. It's just if the government gets its act together, I'd love to buy bonds, but they are not together. Oh, geez. Well, I'm going to thank these amazing cadets for joining us here today for your great questions, for your service. Too many questions about fixed income. We should be thinking about growth and thinking about younger companies in this great country. Mad Money's back here for the break.
earnings season at last is winding down. We've heard from all the major independent media companies, Fox, Paramount, Warner Brothers, Discovery, and Disney, a group that has been really beaten bloody from late July through the end of October. Coming into the reporting period, there were tons of worries about how high interest rates are going to hurt them, economic slowdown, slower economy translating to weaker advertising market every time. Meanwhile, there are so many other sources of entertainment competing for your time, so it's easy to assume that the whole industry might be in trouble. Yet we got some pleasant surprises here, and I think it's worth revisiting which of the media companies have been able to thrive in this environment. Let's take them in chronological order. Fox reported on November 2nd, this was the most uneventful quarter of the four. The company put up pretty solid numbers, driven by strength in live content, especially sports. Fox also noted that its free ad supported 2B streaming service continues to grow nicely, surpassing 70 million monthly active users in September, while its revenue grew by 30%. Remember, this is the rump of Fox after they sold most of their entertainment assets to Disney. Unfortunately for shareholders, the quarter didn't seem to do much for the stock. I was sure it initially rallied a few percent, but then it quickly rolled over. At this point, Fox trading below where it was before the quarter. Even the analysts didn't love it. JP Morgan actually downgraded Fox from overweight to neutral, meaning buy to hold, citing the lack of a serious long-term digital strategy. And you know what? I think a whole rating kind of feels right here. Fox certainly isn't a bad story, but it's got a lot of exposure to cable, which we know is a slowly declining industry. And I've never met anyone who's admitted to watching Tubi. Then again, they make a lot of money from news and a lot of money from sports. Fox is definitely not the best, but it's certainly not the worst. Later in the day on November 2nd, we got surprisingly positive results from Paramount Global. Now, this stock was by far one of the worst performers of the group coming into the earnings, down more than 35% for the year at the end of October. So there was a low bar. Paramount certainly cleared it, delivering inline sales coupled with a gigantic earnings beat. The strength came from Paramount's streaming business. The direct-to-consumer revenue was up 38%, including a 61% increase in the Paramount Plus streaming service, which now has more than 63 million global subscribers. More important, their streaming business has made a lot of progress on the profitability front. Management said that the losses here peaked last year, and they're going to continue to shrink. Of course, the Paramount quarter wasn't perfect. Advertising revenue was down 14% and missed expectations. Licensing and other revenue dropped 12%, also failing to short of expectations. That's thanks to the strikes in Hollywood. However, the surprise strength of streaming was more than enough to offset any negatives. Paramount stock jumped 10% on November 2nd in response to the Fox quarter. Then it shot up another 15% the next day in response to their own quarter. Looks good, but Paramount still got the worst balance sheet in the group. It needs lower interest rates and an improving ad market ASAP. Next on Wednesday, we heard from Warner Brothers Discovery. And as much as I wanted to see a huge quarter, and I really did, this was a distinctly suboptimal quarter. While they delivered inline sales and solid EBITDA growth up 22% year over year, the results weren't anything earth-shattering because the quarter was supposed to be really good. Warner Brothers produced the Barbie movie, for heaven's sake, the highest-grossing film of the year, $1.44 billion in global box office. But even with Barbie, the company still lost 17 cents per share. Wall Street was only looking for a nine-cent loss. I have to tell you, I was surprised, too. Of course, that's not enough to explain the stock's 19% collapse on Wednesday. The real problem? Madrid said that if the advertising market stays weak, they won't be able to pay down their debt as quickly as planned. And keep in mind, Warner Brothers Discovery has a hideous balance sheet. We're talking $43 billion in net debt at the end of the last quarter, although they have paid back a ton. Now, if they're not making progress cleaning that rest of the debt up, though, the story doesn't work. In fact, it was so brutal that the negative pin action... Dragged down Paramount, too. It fell 8% on Wednesday, even though its quarter was good, because Paramount has the worst balance sheet in the group. God, I love a good balance sheet. These guys don't have it. Finally, on Wednesday night, Disney reported, and after years of struggling, I think that this really was the one that stole the show. 
While the sales came in a little light, they were still up 5%, and the earnings were much, much better than expected, up 170% year over year. This company's actually spewing cash again. Under the leadership of Bob Iger, he's come back. Disney clearly is turning itself around. Like with Paramount, the streaming business has become much less of a money loser. Hey, it's going to we think going to turn a profit in the last quarter of the fiscal year 24. The overall company's gotten a lot of religion on cost cuts. Previously, they were talking about targeting 5.5 billion annual savings. Now they're raising that to 7.5. Wow, that 7.5 billion would be huge. Thanks to that, Disney was able to give some jaw-droppingly positive cash flow projections. Now, until Wednesday night, all the focus on Disney revolved around how much it was spending, especially on streaming. But now I think Iger's really taking control of the narrative again, forcing investors to remember that once the big investments are over, Disney can have tremendous earnings power. Remember, they do have a much better balance sheet than people realize. And that means we can start thinking about the restoration of the dividend. Not big to start, but it could be a surprise. And I expect that to happen soon. And then get this. I think when I look over the balance sheet, I see the possibility of a buyback. Yes. And those are two reasons why we have held on to it for the Chapel Trust. We're going to talk about this on Wednesday. Talk about what it means to hold and what it means to fold. Disney stock jumped almost 7% in response to the quarter yesterday, although it gave some back today. I thought it gave too much back. I think this quarter could be a true turning point for the company. Now, remember, Disney has legendary activist investor Nelson Peltz riding herd on them. So I believe that they will deliver on their cost cuts or die trying which makes me think that the stock has a lot more room to run. I've been talking about maybe seeing $100 by year end. That's one of the reasons why we bought so much lower for the charitable trust. Having heard from all four major independent media plays, let me give you my power rankings. I think Disney, after this quarter, should be considered the best in show. Now, if they hit their financial targets, I think the stock could be among the top performers, not just in the group, but in the entire S&P 500. Fox comes in second. While it's the most boring story in the group, there's a lot to be said about boring especially when it's paired with a solid balance sheet. Plus, Fox News should make a fortune next year ahead of the election. Remember, it's presidential year. There's a lot of advertising. As for Paramount Global and Warner Brothers Discovery, well, they both suffer from the same problem. They've got really terrible balance sheets. And on Mad Money, we do not like companies with bad balance sheets. We don't like money losers, and we don't like bad balance sheets. While Warner stock got killed by the negative update on its debt load, Paramount's in even worse shape when you compare the two companies' leverage ratios. At the same time, I have more confidence in, in Warner's CEO, David Zaslav. He is a very sharp business person than I do right now in Paramount's Bob Backish. Very nice guy, but he's been around for a while. At this point, the business is still struggling. Doesn't seem right to me. Bottom line, after earnings season, it's worth reassessing the independent media plays because some of them are doing much better than expected. I like Disney the most, followed by Fox, then Warner Brothers Discovery, with Paramount Global pulling up the rear. They have money is back after the break. Coming up, pop open those umbrellas and tee up your toughest questions. Kramer takes on all comers in the lightning round. Next. Before we start the lightning round, as you've seen earlier in today's show, it's a long-standing tradition at Mad Money to celebrate Veterans Day and honor the women and men who have served this great nation. Whether we're here at the New York Stock Exchange or have our boots on the ground at the Air Force Academy or West Point, we are grateful for the sacrifices you make to keep us safe. And we are extra lucky this year to have an NBC page on our team. Anthony Costano, he's a machinist mate and second-class petty officer in the U.S. Navy. Anthony, thank you for your service and for all you bring to our team. 
And tonight, we're keeping it going with another special Veterans Day edition of the Lightning Round, featuring some incredible people that have served or are currently serving the U.S. military. And now it is time. It is time for the Lightning Round. Chris Bryce, Rapport, and I'm seeing the stand up the other day. Wait a second. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Skinny Daddy? Time for the lightning round, Chris. I'm going to start with Michael in New York. Michael. Hello, Jim. Uh, can you hear me, pal? <laughs> you sound great, buddy. What's up? Okay. I trust I'm a Vietnam era veteran. I'm originally from Brooklyn. And I want to thank you and a couple of guys like you. Look out for the pets. Thanks wow. a lot. Thank uh, you. I, Man, I thank really you for do serving. appreciate that, guys. I appreciate it. And the older it. I get, more patriotic I get. All right. Now, to get to the question... AMD. I used to buy, sell, buy, sell. Okay, yeah, the last we, time I bought it was at 145. It's at 118. Can I hold it forever? Yes, you so can. Day? And I'm kicking myself here. We have a meeting next Wednesday for the investing club. And I put this in the in the bullpen. And I just got too greedy. And now it's going up. And I think it's not going to stop here. AMD's a good hold. Let's go to Monica, Minnesota. Monica. Hi there, Jim. How are you, Monica? Sorry. I'm really good. So how are you? Good, thank you. How can I help? Hey, I'm looking at Teladoc. Um, I know I've heard you talk about this stock before, and in one way or another calls it a myth. But I'm looking at it. I'm seeing a strong balance sheet. They're finally cash flow positive. There's this huge addressable market, and I'm wondering. I'm wondering if your if your sentiments have changed at all. If this well. I'll tell you, Monica, I think it's a very crowded area. It was great, and then everyone else decided it was such a good business that it wrecked their margins. So I'm going to say, please do not buy that stock. And thank you for your service. How about we go to David in Colorado? David. Booyah, Jim. This is actually Dave from Pangaum Air Base in Germany right now. Wow. My question my question, Jim, is buy, sell, or hold on Palo Alto Networks. Oh, Dan, you make my job easy. Palo Alto Networks, P-A-N-W, is doing terrific. They do report next week. I expect a very good quarter for that cybersecurity company. Let's go to Mitchell in Oklahoma. Mitchell. Hello. Hi, Mitchell. It's Jim. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. What's going on? I'm just calling to ask about the uh, Howard Hughes Holdings. Ticker HHH. Wondering well, what your thoughts were on them. Absolutely, Second Lieutenant of the U.S. Air Force. Here's my feeling on that. That's a asset play. And we are really all about trying to figure out earnings growth, particularly high earnings growth, that we can own for the long term. And I do not want to be involved in a breakup story, which is what I think you have there. Let's go to Stephen in Pennsylvania. Stephen! Booyah, Jim. Booyah, I want Stephen. to thank you and your awesome staff for honoring all the veterans today. No problem. We love it. We love doing it. And at least we can do for you. What's up? Thank you so much. My fiance, April, and I, we love your show. Thank you. We appreciate all your knowledge. And our our stock in question today, we want to know if this is a buy, EQT. Okay, we had this company on. This is Toby Rice, and he's a very good manager. I like EQT. But as much as I like QT, I like Kotara even more. It's cheaper, and I think it has better assets. So I suggest that you go to Kotara, and I thank you for those incredibly kind comments. Now we're going to Justin in Pennsylvania. Justin. Hey, Jim. Marine Justin. Birthday today. I have to give a shout-out to the Marines. Happy birthday, all. Of course. 248? Is that Absolutely. Let's give them You're a right, giant shout-out. The best. The best. How can I help? Awesome. Appreciate it. Yeah, talking to phone about Black Rifle Coffee Company. 
veteran-founded uh, company. Great leadership from Evan Hafer. They do a ton for the veteran community and their families. The company went public about two years ago during the SPAC craze. Right. Uh, stock price has been on a downward trend ever since. What are your thoughts on the company and stock price from here? I need to see, as much as I value companies that have certain value, that have an ethos, but I care, you know, because it's bad money, I care about whether they're making a lot of money. And, Justin, I don't see them making enough money for me to think it's an inexpensive stock. And i got to be true to my metrics, even as other people may like certain values that they have. Let's go to Matt in Minnesota. Matt. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Matt. Question today is about Uber. Strong quarter three earnings, good year-to-date performance. Is now the time to take some chips off the table? Or are we no, gonna let I think that out? this was the beginning of what is going to be a period where the, some of these companies that came public during this era are just breaking away from the pack. That was an amazing number, Uber. And let me throw in DoorDash. The DoorDash number was really terrific. Let's go to Jeff in New York. Jeff. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. How about you, Jeff? It's going great. It's going great. Thanks. How can I help? So I'm pretty new to uh, new to stocks, and I'm trying to get into invest investment, uh, get into it for investment purposes. Okay. Uh, what is your idea on uh, SoFi Technologies? I see that it's a up and up and coming business. Well, not up and coming, but it's getting more publicity now. How do you feel about that? I like your thinking. You see, Anthony Noto is the guy who runs it. Anthony's a West Pointer. He's done many great things. I think the stock is incredibly inexpensive and it had a great quarter. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by Charles Schwab. After the break, a friendly signal or a diplomatic letdown in waiting. Don't miss Kramer's take on the president's upcoming chat with China. Next. It's happening again. Our government's trying to make nice with China. Soon, President Biden will be meeting President Xi, perhaps heralding a thaw between our two countries. Regular viewers know that I've been pretty tough with the People's Republic of China because I think they don't play fair on trade issues. And more important, they seem to be determined to project military power against our allies, like Taiwan and now even the Philippines. On the other hand, our government's gotten much tougher on China, making sure they can't get the most powerful semiconductors, uh, like the ones made by NVIDIA. We never relented on our Trump-era tariffs. We haven't even begun to get tough on their outrageous environmental behavior. China keeps putting up coal plants like there's no tomorrow. Why not hold them to the standards we hold ourselves? Look, I know I'm talking against my positions. We own Wynn Resorts for the Travel Trust and just bought more today, largely because Wynn has two huge casinos in Macau, the Chinese gambling haven. I think the gamblers are finally coming back. We have a large position in Starbucks, which needs a strong Chinese economy in order to hit its aggressive growth targets. And, of course, the trust owns Apple. We always tell you to own it. Don't trade it. Lots of people sold Apple last week because they didn't like the China numbers. They violated our rule. The trust owns Broadcom, in part because of the pending acquisition of VMware. But that deal can only go through with Chinese approval. We need them to play ball if the trust is going to make more money for charity. So I'd love to be able to sing the praises of the Chinese government. But some things are bigger than a portfolio. China hasn't played fair for years on trade. We supported them in a vain hope that if they embraced a market economy, maybe somehow they'd become more of a democracy. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but that's basically what we did with Vietnam after the war ended. And now they're an amazing trading partner and a great friend. Our government tried to do the same thing with what used to be called Red China. But China simply used normalized trade relations to target U.S. manufacturing and make itself wealthier. 
They've repeatedly done the opposite of what they promised in trade negotiations. And I can hand it to them. They've made a great middle class. But I don't want it done at our expense. We can always hope this time will be different. That China won't insist on bogus joint ventures where they steal our company's intellectual property. We can hope that they'll stop challenging Taiwan, even though they consider Taiwan their own real estate. We can hope they won't try to dominate the whole South China Sea, now that they've got a real navy. But I'm praying our government recognizes that China has not been a reliable trading partner. And for once, we finally have the upper hand because our economy is relatively strong, while theirs is truly weak. We can't let ourselves be fooled again in the name of some aircraft orders and maybe some tourists to buy our goods. That said, there's a worse outcome than getting tricked in negotiations. We absolutely can't allow this new Cold War with China to turn into a hot war. We don't want the PRC launching an embargo of Taiwan because we look weak, which would knock out a huge chunk of the world's semiconductor manufacturing capacity. We need to defend Taiwan and their free elections, even if it means putting boots on the ground. Yes, they're that great an ally. But if it can be solved without boots on the ground, that would be ideal. So we need to keep talking with China. We need to get off the collision course that we were clearly headed toward just a few months ago. But please, let's not have any illusions. The PRC is not our friend. We just don't want them to be our enemy, except in a commercial sense, that is. So talk away, President Biden, but don't be naive. Monitor whether President Xi this time lives up to his word. And if he doesn't, then don't appease him, because he'll just keep pushing and pushing until we end up, I think, in a shooting war. Stay strong. We are the ones in good shape, not them. We have growth. They don't. We have abundant natural resources. They don't. So don't let them get away with their old tricks. You see, we don't need them. We just don't want to go to war with them. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you Monday. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash disclaimer. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.